Hello and welcome to a very special Farport story. I really hope you enjoy this one. And thank you to Chris Riley for not making me try and imitate him for <laughs> an extended period of time. Thank you to all of our patrons and everybody that's been listening and keeping up with this show. You guys are amazing, and I appreciate you. So without further ado, this month's Farport story. Watch your step, Falkface. Falk Smolder, a very young Falk Smolder, heard these words reverberate from behind him, only a split second before he was shoved violently to the ground. He quickly contorted his body and turned his head to see who had done this to him, although he didn't need to. He was well familiar with that voice, and with the aggressive classmate to whom it belonged. Falk's body, finally catching up with his panicking mind, began to get back up when the sneakered foot of Joey Tulls connected heavily with his side and forced him flat on the ground once again. Falk languished only for a moment before scampering up quickly to his feet, this time avoiding being knocked down once again. Now that Falk was standing again, the size difference between the two boys could not be more noticeable. Joey Tulls stood four inches taller than Falk and outweighed him by roughly 15 pounds. There was little doubt in Falk's mind that if he ran, Joey would catch up and the beating would be worse. He quickly looked around. No one else was there. No adults near that could stop Falk from getting beaten into a pulp by this 12-year-old meat grinder that stood before him. There was only one thing he could do now. His mouth began to form words. What do you want? Joey stared back at him with squinted eyes and a smirk that only sociopathic maniacs know how to make. This stare, this smirk, felt to Falk like it lasted much longer than it probably had in reality. Smirks, and for that matter grins, and even smiles, usually denote a pleasant interaction. But when used by wretched individuals like Joey Tulls, they're merely a wolf in sheep's clothing. The smirk left his lips but returned again between every word that left his mouth. Like the wolf was eyeing his prey while pacing on the other side of a picket fence, ready at any time to leap over and claim its kill. So anyone else in your family get taken away by dragons or just your sister? Those words hurt Falk more than the shove to the ground or even the kick, and Joey knew it. It had only been three weeks since the disappearance of Falk's younger sister Sarah. And even though the only people he had told that he thought a dragon was responsible were his parents and the investigators from the FIA that questioned him, the word about his theory of her abduction had somehow got out. Don't you talk about her, Falk uttered reflexively quick, albeit in a soft, timid way, with a slight, almost imperceptible hint of aggression. However, Joey picked up on this the way a shark does when there's a drop of blood in the water. And also, like a shark, he'd begin to bump and nudge his prey, get a reaction, see what things were really made of before he goes in for the bite. You know, I heard it was you that did it. Falk's face that had until now been in an expression of worry and fear started to tighten into an angry scowl. Joey continued. You were always jealous of her. Because everyone liked her more than you, even your parents. Shut up. Falk was now breathing so heavy through his nose that Joey could hear it. 
He was excited to hear it. He was almost to his favorite part of these games he plays with his victims. So you offed her. Shut up! Falk could now hear his own heartbeat in his ears. Joey's smirk was starting to get so tight that it pulled his lips back ever so slightly, revealing his teeth. And Danny, who lives over on 1st Street by the water, he says he was up late that night and saw you walk over there with her body, throw it right over the side of the pier. Shut up, Joey! And that, even if they found her now, she'd be all bones after getting picked clean by the fishes. Ah! Falk growled as he lunged forward at Joey, who, expecting this, just stepped to the side and allowed Falk's clumsy attempt at retaliation to overbalance him. By the time Falk corrected, Joey's fist was already en route to its destination. Falk was quick enough to get his arms up in front of his face, which would have effectively blocked Joey's attack, if that had been where it was going. Instead, Falk got the full force of Joey Toll's punch right in the gut. His lungs deflated instantly, and he struggled to breathe back in. Amid the sounds of his own attempts to take in air and Joey's taunts and psychopathic laughter, Falk could hear a faint ringing that steadily grew louder and louder. He also saw his vision tunneling, everything around him going dark. Within seconds, the ringing was all he could hear, and the darkness was all he could see. Falk's hearing came back before his vision. He heard the chimey sound of glass shattering from what sounded like across the street. Then he heard Joey shouting. No, not shouting. Screaming. Terrified screaming. Falk's vision was starting to come back and he saw Joey Tulls on his back in the street, looking frightened and skimpering away backwards, not unlike the way Falk had been only a minute ago while trying to get back on his feet. Freak! Get away from me, you freak! I was just putting you on before, but, but, but now I know you did do it! Hey! A loud grisly voice, an adult voice, suddenly erupted from across the street. Both boys turned their head to look. They see a man, much younger than his gravel-filled voice would let on, wearing a green argyle sweater and standing behind the frame of a large broken-out window. You stay right there! Don't you dare run! Joey used this distraction to get to his feet. Ha! Now you, now you done it! A cop lives there! He's gonna bring you in! They're gonna find out what you did, and they're gonna put you away for good! Joey took off running just as the man from across the street got to his door. Falk, still standing there confused, wondered how everything changed so abruptly. Why was he now the one in trouble here? Falk glanced down at the street the opposite way from where Joey ran off to. Don't you even think about it! The man yelled as he made his way towards Falk, seemingly reading his mind. Falk took another quick glance at the man, coming towards him. He looked familiar somehow, but in the stressful situation he couldn't put his finger on it. He pondered this for a split second, then he bolted. The man immediately gave chase. Falk quickly, glancing over his shoulder, noticed that this man was much faster than grown-ups tip typically are. He pushed this thought out of his head and continued running. He ran up Jensen Street for half a block and then turned right into the alley, just behind Pop's Grocery. There was a network of interconnected alleys back in here, and Falk was certain he could lose the man chasing him. 
He reached the next intersection and darted left, and then at the next one took a right. However, at the end of this alleyway, where it normally would open into Quarry Avenue, there was a tall fence. Shit! I forgot they closed off this one for construction. He could hear the heavy footfalls closing in on him. Quickly scanning the area for options, he saw there was only one. Hide. So that's exactly what he did. He hid behind a row of old garbage cans. He tried desperately to be quiet, but he was exhausted and breathing heavily. He tried to cover his mouth, but breathing through his nose beside the cans filled with rotting fish made him want to gag. As the steps reached the end of this alleyway, they slowed, then stopped. The adrenaline allowed Falk in this moment to cease breathing altogether. The steps then turned and started walking slowly towards his hiding spot. You must not run from the cops that much or else you wouldn't have froze back there. And you certainly wouldn't have turned into a dead end. Now Falk had been still for a few moments. He realized where he had heard that voice before, where he would seen that man. He was one of the investigators that questioned him the night Sarah went missing. Oddly enough, this was the one that seemed like he actually cared about the case. The one Falk thought maybe even believed what he had said. In fact, Falk reached into his pants pocket and touched a wrinkled business card with the words FIA, Peter Garan, Junior Field Investigator, written on it. Come on, son. Might as well get out of there. I don't want to be digging you out of the garbage. Falk remained completely motionless, still, holding his breath, thinking that this might just be a ploy that Garan didn't really know for sure that he was down here. But more steps came, and soon, a tall figure wearing a green sweater stood above him and helped him up. Helped him in a sort of grabbed him tightly by the back of his shirt and jacket collar kind of way. After Falk was up, Garan didn't let go either. So, you gonna tell me where you live so you can get brought home to mommy and daddy, or do you want to go downtown? I live on THMP Boulevard, just about a block away. Well, at least it's not a long walk. Lead the way, and don't try anything stupid. Falk had yet to so much as look up at Garan and he wouldn't do so for the entire walk home. The two walked back to Jensen, and then crossed over to Corey down an alley that actually connected. Then they reached Tillapahan and Massapawtucket Boulevard and turned north. Falk's house was only a few doors down, and when Garan saw the yellow house with the knee-high fence around the side garden, he paused. Still holding the back of Falk's clothing, he extended his arms, Lightly, but still forcibly, moving Falk into a position where he could see the bo- where he could see the boy's face clearly for the first time. He glanced at the kid, then back at the house, then back at the kid. Oh, for Ernie's sake! Are you kidding me? Falk just continued to stare blankly at the ground. Garan didn't say anything to Falk, figuring he'd leave all that up to the parents. They made their way onto the porch and Garan knocked loudly on the door. After a few moments, moments that could have been years in Falk's mind, William Smolder opened the door. Falk never looked up to see his father's expression, but he could feel it. 
The two men began talking, and Falk could feel Garand's grip on his clothes release. Falk slunk inside as soon as he was free. The detective and Falk's father talked briefly while Falk poured a glass of water for himself and sat down at the dining room table. When the discussion outside was over, William came inside and then stood in the doorway to the room behind where his son was sitting. The two both were having their own versions of an imaginary conversation that wouldn't really play out the way that it had in either of their heads. Why? Why would you break Mr. Grand's window? I don't even know how it happened. Uh, Joey from school pushed me and then started saying these lies about Sarah and we got in a fight and he rung my bell real good. And next thing I remember, he was running away and, and Mr. Grand was running after me. Do you expect me to believe that? That you just don't know what happened? I'm not lying. I, d I don't know. He said you threw something and that the other kid was crawling away from you when he saw you. I don't remember how any of that happened. I, everything went black after he hit me. I, I, I don't... I didn't even have anything to throw. Falk, you can try to explain it any way you want, but it's not an excuse. Not for a man with no window. It isn't. You need to make this right. <sighs> Go get your savings. But Dad, you know I was going to save up and get a Bob Superman jersey at the next Patriots game. William stared back at Falk sternly. Falk relented, sighed, and then went and fetched the M marks he'd been saving up. Returned from his room and placed his stash onto the table. William looked up at Falk. And then Falk diverted his gaze down to the floor once again. And then he said, I wish I had been the one that had been taken. Shock spreads across William's face upon hearing this, and words struggle to form in his mouth as he looks up at his son. Tears start to well up in Falk's eyes. He reaches down to the table and then snatches up the M marks. No one believes me, and everybody says I'm a coward for not doing anything. He grabs all the money, crumples it up in his pocket, and runs. William runs to the door and calls out to him, but he's already too far away to stop. He does his best to keep his composure as he heads back the way he came earlier to give his savings to Mr. Garan. He walks a brisk pace on Quarry Avenue, past the construction area, and into the alley that leads over to Jensen Street but he doesn't notice the group of teens led by Joey Tulls following behind him. As Falk walks between the tall brick buildings, he mutters agitatedly to himself and grits his teeth, completely unaware of the looming threat behind him. As they follow, their pace quickens, but Falk takes no notice. Then... Get that freak! He killed his sister and he tried to kill me too! Falk jumped when he heard this startling order, and then took off running when the reflexes kicked in. The gang of teenagers closed in fast, though. He was no match for them. One of them tackled him to the ground, and the other surrounded him, taking turns kicking him and sometimes kneeling down to punch him. 
After they roughed him up pretty good, Joey noticed the familiar square-shaped bulge in his pocket that comes from folded up M marks. He reached into the pocket and it ripped as he pulled out um, his hand along with all of Falk's savings. Falk lifted his hand towards Joey and tried to protest, but another kid kicked him in the side and all that came out was a rush of air followed by indiscriminate wheezing. Joey and the teens ran off, Joey saying, Thanks for the cash, Falkface. Falk laid there for about a half hour weeping. He knew he'd have to get up eventually, and he did. He looked south down the alleyway towards Mr. Grant's house. Then he looked north towards his own. The words his father said earlier echoed in his head. You can try to explain it any way you want, but it's not an excuse. Falk turned back toward the south and limped his way to Grand's house, only stopping to clean the blood off of his face and some of the dirt off of his clothes and on the way. When Garan answered the door, he could instantly piece together what had happened from the bruises, the scrapes, and the ripped pocket. Falk made no attempt to explain what happened, and Garan made no attempt to press him on it. He could see in Falk's eyes that the boy wanted to settle this on his own terms. Mr. Garan, I don't have the money to fix your window, but uh, I've got time. Every day after school, I, I can work it off if, if that'd be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can work that out. Um... There was an incredibly long pause between them. Neither of them knew what to say, but then Garan spoke up. Do you have any time right now to, to help me with something? Falk sniffled a little bit of blood back into his nose and said, Sure. Well, my cat, it, it got out because of, in Garan gestures towards the empty cavity where his window used to be. The window? Yeah. You know, at the office, when we're looking for someone that's gone missing, the first thing we do is make a profile. We write down all their characteristics and habits in order to try to guess what they do or where they'd go based on that information. He glances at Falk, trying to see if he's putting the pieces together. So we should make a profile on your cat? Falk says this with a slight smile coming over his face. Well, yeah. What do you know about cats? Falk spends the next few hours working with his future boss on his first case. 30 years later, he'd be working on his last. <laughs>